right? Is to hold the person captive using those things. If the person loves money, give the person a piece of the profit so that that person is is now happy and can't complain anymore. If the person is threatening still to blow a whistle, threaten his family, threaten his friends, right? Threaten whatever it is that that person values. This is the stuff of movies, right? This is the stuff that people usually use to make movies. And it doesn't have to be in the negative. Sometimes you want someone to do something good, but the person can't because of their love of something else, right? Maybe you want to offer them a job, but they refuse the job because they are unwilling to wake up that early, right? Is that you, you, you want them to have this thing, but they don't want to because of their, their sleep habits. Or maybe you want them to take a job, but it requires them to move away from their city, right? And so they're not willing to leave because of how attached they are to their city. The point is that what we are attached to is the tool that people are going to use to access us. And it's also going to be the tool by which the devil uses to attack you. Right, is that what are these things that we're attached to? Because this reading is very closely tied to the reading that we had last week, in which our Lord is asking us what comes first. Right, the psalm that we just read is, You, O Lord our God, made us, and not we ourselves. Right, is that I don't self exist. I don't exist because I thought of myself and decided that I want to be. Right? I only exist because you did. And so the last week we talked about the importance of why God had to come first. Right? Which is why God had a very difficult saying last week where he was saying, I have to come first. I come before father, brother, sister, mother. No matter what it is, I come first. Because there's no such thing as family if I don't make it. Right? The whole point of family is, is me. And so here we see on the same theme, a very well-intentioned and good young man who says, I want to follow you. And I want to know what I need to do to inherit the kingdom. Allegedly, he wants the kingdom. So our Lord said, well, you know the gospel. The gospel is very clear. It's not, it's not ambiguous. You don't steal, you don't kill, you don't lie, you don't covet. You know all of these rules. And the response of this, of this young man is, I've already done all that stuff, right? I've done that since I was a kid. There's nothing, nothing new here. And so our Lord said, okay, if you want to step it up a notch, okay, if you want the full perfection, you exist because I exist, get rid of all of your wealth, okay? He knew that this was what this person was attached to. Get rid of all of your wealth, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. And in fact, Christ here is inviting him to be a bishop, right? Because the apostles are the first bishops. So Christ is saying, I'm, I'm inviting you to be one of these esteemed inner circle. I'm, I'm actually elevating you. Today, most people, if they were given that offer, would be like, oh, wow, and they get all excited that this was an offer. And rather than be happy at this invitation, it says that youth went away distressed and sad. Right? That was his response, is that he was really, really distressed at this, that this request of God, saying, get rid of your stuff and follow me. He didn't want to get rid of his stuff. He loved his stuff so much that being invited by God himself to the episcopate, to apostleship, wasn't lucrative enough for him. Why? Because he loved money more. Right? It's not that he didn't love God. 
is that he loved the money more than God. And that's why our Lord commented on how difficult it is for those who love money to enter in the kingdom. And it's not just the money itself, right? It's not that money is intrinsically evil, or he would have said he would have cursed money itself. But he spoke about the love of money. Because it's not the money itself, it's what the money brings, right? Comfort, ease, luxury, service, prestige. The rich get richer. A person who is accustomed to ease and luxury is not going to be excited about doing something difficult because they're accustomed to being comfortable all the time. You could be invited to do great service for with God, but you refuse to because you prefer your own comfort or your own riches. So what are some of those riches that we have as obstacles to following the gospel? Because maybe it's not my money that's my obstacle to following. Maybe it is money. Maybe it is my pursuit of wealth. Right? Maybe you're not willing to come on Sundays because you work on Sundays because you want to make extra cash on Sundays. Maybe your wealth is in pursuing that career and so you skip Sundays because you want to study for your exams as though the goal were the exam itself. Maybe you don't give to the poor or the needy because you need to be able to finance your big house or your fancy car. Right? And, we're, and we disobey the commandment of God. Maybe you're stingy with the homeless or the poor while stealing work hours. Right? Maybe you're, you're, you're logging more hours than you actually did or you're on Facebook or doing something at work and you stole from your work by not doing work and yet we're stingy with the poor. Even monks are encouraged to work first before entering the monastery. It's to test them. Right, is to see whether or not that their love for money changes them or not. Because if you don't have money, it's very easy to live without it when you're used to it. Right? Whereas, whereas the monastery will tell the novice, no, you need to work first and see what the taste, Thomas, for Lewis, what the taste of money okay, does to you. Do you become attached to it? Does it become harder for you to follow God when you have money? Because if it is, you're not going to be successful in this monastery. Because you're going to be looking to get luxury. And if somebody starts offering it to you, you're going to take it. You're going to lose your, your objective. And so it could be our love of wealth that is our deterrent. It could be our opinions, right? Sometimes I'll say, I'll attend this parish or this church or service if they do things in the way that I think is right, right? That I, I think that church should be run in a certain way. So if it's done in this way, then I'll go. But if it's not done in this way, then I'm, I'm not so sure. Or there are people who will say, I cannot live by this gospel because I think it lacks this insert concept here, this personal opinion of somebody's, right? That this is outdated, it's not taking into account X, Y, or Z. Or I cannot turn the other cheek because I need this person to first understand why I'm right. Okay, then maybe I can turn the other cheek, but they need to understand, I need to put them in their place first. They need to know why my thought is superior to their thought. Or I cannot reconcile with my spouse, because he or she needs to know how wrong he or she is. There won't be peace, because you know what, this is going to keep repeating, because he or she never understands how wrong they are, and so we repeat things over and over and over again. Right? These are all obstacles that we might have with our opinion. Or I cannot go to confession because I don't like that that priest thinks 
or feels or has done such and such. Or I can't bear to listen to sermons because I think the person giving it is a hypocrite. Right? All of these things are obstacles right, that we're putting in our access to God that are coming from us. So it could be our wealth, it could be our opinions, or it could be our comfort. Right? I will help in the service if they can make the service just be at such and such time. Right? Where if they do it on this day, then I can go because I'll, I'll be more comfortable with that day. I'm less tired that day. Or you know what? The youth activities should be on this day because that's the day that, that I don't have a commitment to such and such. Um, I'd love to help or attend such and such service, but they should do it when it's easiest for me. If you give me a schedule of what you guys want to do, I'll see what I can do about it, right? That kind of mentality. Or I need to I need rest because of all the important things that I do, and so I'll come and join you guys after I get what it is that I want, right? I'll come on Sunday. When you're done all the work, I'll come for communion. I'll come for the food, right? These are all things that that we do <laughs> that are obstacles. And I could go on and make this list longer. There are so many attitudes and things that we have as barriers to really and truly following our Lord wherever He takes us. But these are the things that we need to ask ourselves, whether it's these or others, what is the thing preventing me from identifying God that it is not we who made ourselves, but that it is God, and that God comes first? Tomorrow is the feast of St. Philopatir Mercurius, right? The, the two swords, right? Now imagine if he loved anything more than God, and he is brought before the, the governors to confess the faith, whether or not he would be willing to die for the faith or not. Think of St. Damiana. St. Damiana is, is not a big martyr person. Well, I am now. I didn't used to be. But St. Damiana has always stuck out to me because St. Damiana didn't just die. right? Look at how St. Damiana dealt with her father. right? Is that when her father denied the faith because he loved his prestige more, right? because he loved his wealth more, St. Damiana held him to account. Right? Because sometimes the thing that we hold more valuable than God is our family. Right? It's probably the most common one. Okay? And so, St. Damiana, the kid, not the adult, said to her dad, I would have rather heard that you were dead. Right? Because the whole point of our family life is to go towards God. So when I heard that you forsook your faith, I don't know you. Marafaksh. Right? And so, her resilience in the faith caused him to repent. He's in the Synaxarium as well. He's a saint as well. Right? But... It was her, his daughter's witness that did it, because she held God above all because she understood the point of family. If the 21 martyrs of Libya, God willing, who's, will have an altar in their name, right? imagine if they said no. There are people who said no. The 21 were the final cut. Okay? There were people before them, and now we're not looking back 16 centuries. Right? We're looking back to 2015. Right? So these people were the final cut. And you have the one guy right, from Chad, who was so moved, right, by how much these 20 villagers from Egypt were putting God above all, that they didn't say, and they could have said, right, no, I have family back home, I love God and all, but I will love Him privately, right, I will do that in my own way, this isn't the time or the place for it. They could have said that, right, but instead they said, no, this is God, God comes first. That that one guy from Chad saw them and said, their God is my God. <laughs> Whatever it is that they're doing, that's, that's my God, and joined in with the martyrdom. Because they didn't have these obstacles to them that came before God. They didn't love their riches, their wealth, their family, their comfort, right? They were willing to put up with all of these. 
So this is something that has come to all of us, these obstacles, because we have at various points in our lives gone astray. So the church has helped us with a remedy to help, help challenge us whether or not we like something more than God. And one of these tools that the church gives us that we usually get upset at is fasting. Right? Fasting is a huge remedy to deal with the things that we overindulge in and that hinder us from the progress. Fasting from something doesn't mean that the thing is wrong. Right? If meat was wrong, then it's always wrong. It's not just wrong on Wednesday or Friday or during the fast. It's either wrong or it isn't. So fasting from something doesn't mean we're calling the thing evil. So many people say, I would give up such and such if I want to. I could. I could give up this if I want to. I could stop smoking if I wanted to. I could stop cussing if I wanted to. I could stop stealing if I wanted to. And we'll make these bold claims. Um, but I just... And then insert your excuse here for why you just won't or can't. So fasting is a way of putting your money where your mouth is. If you really think you can stop, prove it. Stop. Right? Don't just claim that you can. Actually stop. And these are not just foods. Right? The church prescribes a fasting of, of food to return to the state of Adam and Eve. Right? It's to say, let's go back to simplicity. So we're not supposed to be having all-you-can-eat sushi every single day. Right? We're not supposed to just substitute a hundred ingredients of say, oh, well, this one is now siami because it was made out of this and is way really siami and all these useless debates, right, that we have. It's supposed to be simple. It's supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be light so that I have more time to focus on the spiritual and that I'm giving less time to indulgence. So maybe what's blocking you from following God is your tendency to gossip, right? God doesn't like when people are putting others down. Maybe you're not able to feel God's presence or follow Him truly because you judge all the time. And so you don't feel God's mercy or God's love and so you put other things before Him. So you need an exercise to help you fast from judgment, right? Then you need to be fasting from judgment. Maybe you need to fast from complaining or stealing or lust or theft, right? All of these are obstacles to our following Christ. All of these are the various reasons that you are saying no to God like the rich young man, right? The rich young man is money, but all of these are ways that we're saying no. You're saying, I'd like to do good where I already know how to do good, right? The, the, like the rich man said, I did all of these things, right? He was only saying no where he was challenged out of his comfort zone. So you're saying, I'd like to do good, Lord, where I'm already good. I'm really good at this and this and this, so just take that. That's all I'm willing to do. But if you want me to give up this thing that I like, I'm not willing we are all, we are all that rich man, right? All of us are, are that guy. But let's put the invitation into context and ask how that must feel to our Lord, right? Imagine how our Lord, our Lord feels. We always thinking, are thinking about us, right? Of here's this guy who gets a job offer who is just thinking about, about himself. But we don't think about the one who's offering. And in this case, it's God, not some company. So here we see a God who created us. And He created us purely in love. He didn't have to make us. He nurtured us, cared for us, suckled us, brought us up, invested His whole self in us, literally, His adopted sons and daughters. We continually rebelled against Him. We continually decided to live against His plan for us. So He, in His deep love for us, said, Hey, let me show you what the right way is. Right During Advent, we're, we're meditating on the Incarnation. Let me be one of you and fix everything that went wrong. 
and also show you what I intended for you to do. Show me, show you what the design was, how I designed you. I loved you so much that I made you exactly like me. I understand that you don't get it, that you don't know from one another how it is to be like me. So I'll show you by becoming man myself. So he comes and becomes man and invites the disciples and this young man and all of us to be truly his children, not just in principle but in practice. And he keeps inviting us. This is where he is coming from. And what is holding us back? These comforts, right? These, these trivial things, right? That we're standing in front of the God of the universe, right? Imagine on the, if, if the emperor of the world today, imagine if the president, right, or the king or the queen of, of England were to invite you to be ministers in the kingdom. And you say, I'm, I'm really flattered by the offer, but like... I like to play video games, I'm not going to be able to do it. Imagine that that's your reason, right? Coming to you from the Lord of glory, okay, the author of life, creator of heaven and earth is saying, I've called you to be my son or my daughter. I created all of the world for you and you're uninterested for, insert trivial reason here. This is where our Lord is coming from. Let us examine ourselves and ask, from what should I fast this season? Okay, what is it that I need to fast from? We abstain from foods, yes, to make room for the spiritual. Um, but take yourself not just through the physical, this fast, but also through the spiritual. Right? What are the sins that I'm addicted to that bar me from following Christ? Have some self-reflection and ask, what is, what is my beloved sin, as Pope Shenouda used to call it? Right? What, is the, what are my little foxes? Okay, what are these tiny little things that are, that are ruining the garden? What are the things that I don't want to give up and that I know that I'm doing that are untouchable? And touch them, right? And actually get out of your comfort zone and try not to. If you talk too much, have a fast from excessive speech. Have some practices of silence, right? If you gossip, have a practice of, of whatever you're in a context of talking, right? Of, of withdrawing if there's gossip. If... You're angry all the time. Go to your spiritual father. Get some advice for how to deal with your anger. But fast from, from, from your sins, right? What is it that I'm addicted to that bars me from following Christ? Because it is possible to follow this commandment quick, perfectly. Because the same gospel, but as read in the book of St. Matthew, was instead of being a hindrance, was an answer to someone else, right? It was an answer... To St. Anthony the Great. Because St. Anthony the Great, rather than this person going to Christ and saying, tell me what to do, and getting upset, St. Anthony asked the exact same question. Right? St. Anthony was meditating and saying, Lord, tell me, how can I follow you perfectly? And when he went to the church, he heard the same gospel, saying, if you want to be perfect, go sell all that you have. And look at who St. Anthony is today. Right? May the Lord grant all of us the grace to show him we love him back, and grant us the blessings that come from fasting, from cutting off our will and not letting anything or anyone but God rule over us to become true sons and daughters and inheritors of the kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever into the age of all ages. Amen.